Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to discipleship and putting scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the Communications Director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of approximately 1,000 churches in Kansas and Nebraska. As the title of this podcast suggests, I'm not ordained clergy, so what I share comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 20 years of experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teens to 90-somethings, and I'm excited to share what Scripture has to say to us in today's society, and I love to tell stories of how people live their faith. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes include interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. And other episodes include some short reflections on Scripture. Thank you for joining me. Here in At Layman's Terms, we've been exploring a series focused on re-engagement. Re-engagement of people to their spiritual disciplines that may have waned while they didn't have that weekly reminder in worship. Now, not everybody got lax, but many people did. And re-engagement of congregations as they come together again. Zoom has been a wonderful tool, but let's just be honest, it isn't for everyone. So in-person, small group meetings, events, and of course worship is eagerly anticipated by many people who just want to get back to seeing people in person again. I've been using the illustration of Ezra and Nehemiah from the Old Testament history books as my guide. Nehemiah was tasked with rebuilding a devastated Jerusalem and the wall around it after the Babylonian destruction and the decades to follow that many Jews spent in exile. Ezra's job may have been even more difficult. He was called to re-engage the people in their spiritual practices, literally reading the law of Moses to them and explaining to the people again so they could get back on the right path on their faith journey. And as I've said, I think we've been in our own personal exiles for the past year as we sheltered in place due to the coronavirus pandemic. In Ezra, we read about the celebration when the new temple's foundation was being constructed. But we also hear about people who had seen Solomon's grand temple and that they didn't celebrate. They cried because the new normal was not going to measure up, or so they thought, to what they had before. I suspect we have quite a few listeners also struggling with what that new normal may be. And while we can't really do anything about what our churches look like, at least not as individuals, in this new normal we certainly can control our relationship with God. What has the past 13 months been like for you? Without in-person worship for many of our Great Plains churches, we haven't had that weekly check-in, that in-person meeting. In many cases, Bible studies shut down, even though we had Zoom as an amazing tool, there are some areas where the internet connection is simply not good enough for Zoom video. And some people struggle with video communications even when the technology works really well. So to borrow a question from John Wesley's class meeting, how is it today with your soul? And what are you doing to bolster your faith? Spiritual disciplines are essential. Worship is just one piece. There also is generosity through giving, there's service in our community, there's participation in small groups, the power of prayer, and most especially, the reading of Scripture. And it's that last one that I want to focus on in this episode. I'm joined this week by the Reverend Jeff Getzinger, who is the pastor of First United Methodist Church in Little River and at Mitchell Chapel in Hutchinson, Kansas. As I was scrolling through Facebook one day, I saw Jeff had posted that he had completed reading all the way through the Bible in a year since the pandemic struck. And it got me to thinking of how that discipline, the reading of Scripture, lines up with what Ezra did with the Jewish people. He read Scripture to the people as a means of helping them re-engage with God after the trauma of exile. Jeff, welcome to In Layman's Terms. Good to be here, Todd. So, Jeff, we're sitting in your kitchen right now, and uh, I just want to ask a question that kind of get us started here. 
what was it that made you decide to try to read all the way through the Bible? Uh, and then we'll get into how you did it later. But what was the beginning of that process? Well, since I've been out here in Hutchinson, uh, we're finishing our fifth year now. Um, I had tried to encourage my congregations to take on that task. And I'd stopped and I'd started and I'd stopped and I'd started. And with Lent last year and our trip to Israel, it was just, it, it just all came together. And it's, so it started at the end of, at, at the beginning of the Easter season last year and finished just after Easter season because of the time frame in, in which Easter fell a little bit earlier or a little bit later last year. Mm-hmm. And so I finished, you know, I, I stuck with it and I continued to do the reading. And it, it was just one of those, like you said, like you talked about in your intro, it was, it was that whole uh, pandemic thing. And so it all just kind of tied together. I just felt it was a good time to take on that practice. I don't want to take say task because then it becomes difficult, but to take on that practice and to stay with it through the whole year, which, you know, and now starting a whole new process, um, thankfully to you and sharing your, your chronological devotion. So that's, that's the next phase. And so that's where, that's where I've been. Okay. I was, I was going to ask, so what, how did you go about it? Um, you mentioned, you admitted, and I, I applaud you for admitting it, because I think a lot of people fall into this. They start, and then they stop. So there's, some, there's some hill of some kind that they can't quite get over. What was that like for you in the past? What got you, what, did you start, and then what was it that kind of made you kind of stop I can't, that whole progression? I can't really speak to what, what the stopping point was. But what I would try in the past was like reading plans through Bible Gateway or the Bible app or something like that. Um, And I think the fact that I didn't have something tangible to hold on to, to read, to use as a guide was what that hindrance was for me in the past. Because this last year at Easter time, I think uh, Easter 2020, Beth and I, part of our part of our relationship has always been to share Easter baskets. So we get little gifts. And in my Easter basket in 2020 was a book called uh, Pray Through the Bible in 365 Days. And while I didn't resonate with the prayers, I still used that book as my guide for the year that I just finished. Um, so it was a little orange book that I either came from Amazon or Cokesbury or something, but... I, I would hold it up and show you, Todd, but I have since gifted it to somebody else. Perfectly you know, okay. Yeah. Part of what I've tried to do during the pandemic is as I've read something really meaningful, I've tried to share it. And so sending it out to somebody else. And so and one of my Facebook friends saw me post it and said, first person that responds gets it. And so I've sent awesome. it on to Colwich, Kansas. Awesome. So did, did it have you read through, did you start Genesis, or what, did it go just in order, or how did it, that work? Yeah, it started at the beginning and went all the way through. Some days there were, you know, it read, there were some readings from, from the Old Testament, there was readings from the Psalms, there was readings from the New Testament, and then once you finished with the Psalms, it went into Proverbs, which I never imagined Proverbs could take four or five months but when you take little snippets at a time, of course, it's going to take a little bit longer. Right. So it, it had sections. So And that's what I appreciated about it, too. 
Jeff had mentioned what I've been doing is uh, Ron Rhodes wrote a book called A Chronological Tour Through the Bible, and I started it almost like exactly like you. I started it actually right after Easter last year. Right, right. Uh, and I, I took one detour through it. Um, as I found a, I found a good Catholic reference on online that put the apocryphal books in order. And so whenever I got to an apocryphal book, I had never read those ever in my life, not even a single verse of them. And so I put them in and would pause and read those. And so, so I, I just now finished. Um, it took me a little bit longer than what, the, what I thought it was going to. You want to talk long books, the apocryphal books might have got left out because of length. Right, right. And <laughs> they, I, they're, they're, they're lengthy. I've read a little bit of the apocryphal books, but like you, as um, you know, as part of the United Methodist Church, you know, our main focus is absolutely the New Revised Standard, uh, the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Um, but if you go through Disciple, the mm-hmm. Bible study, you do get introduced to the apocryphal books, and that's where I first came in contact with it. Because when Beth and I were first married, I did Disciple One. And so I had the big, huge Bible that was like, seemed like it weighed ten pounds. That Harper Collins <laughs> exactly. study Bible is what they ask you to get. Exactly. And it, yeah, it is, it is, and that's where I read the apocryphal books from because I had that Bible from Disciple One. Yeah, and I have a couple of those in my in my uh, in my office because, of course, with seminary they also want you to have one of those. And so I don't think we really went in depth in seminary with the apocryphal books. But we still, you know, we still talk about them. And it's part of part of being an elder in the United Methodist Church. You need to be aware of what's in the book. Right. So anyway. Right. Uh, so when you were reading through, what were what were some of the things that? Well, let's talk about the practice because that's really what this is about for people. What did you have to do differently to make sure that you adhered to that discipline every day to get through the Bible in a year? I found it best to start in the morning. Um, you know, and this helped to reacquaint me with my, with my devotional time too. Um, so starting in the morning, if I got up before Beth, you know, the house was quiet. If Beth got up before me or we both got up at the same time, I closed my office doors. I put headphones in so that I couldn't hear the TV in the other room. And I just, you know, just centered myself. And started the reading. And, uh, you know, I said it just a little bit ago. I think it was more, it, it was it was easier for me to be more intentional about it because it was written in word right there in front of me. And so in turn, I started continuing the practice of journaling, which again is one of those practices that I've started and I've stopped and I've started and I've stopped. Um, so I started it last year when we were on our trip to Israel to help keep track of all the stuff that was happening. You've been on the trip, Todd, mm-hmm. uh, the year before we went. Um, so you know how that is. And it's just, you know, you drink from a fire hose. And so it's hard to take it all in. With all the scenery around you, you're drinking from the fire hose. Yeah, and then you're trying to take a, take pictures with either your phone. And some, some have better cameras. I use my phone, and I've got it downloaded to my Google file. So I've got hundreds of pictures. Um, so that trip really, really helped me to center, to be in tune with God, the journaling, the reading of the scripture while we were on the trip, the devotionals that those that were on the, the clergy and the laity led. Um, just, it was just, it was Holy Spirit. 
I don't know who your who your guide was over there, but um, you can guess. Uh, was it was it Nadir? It was. Okay, so, so we had the same. So for reference for folks, so I went in January of 2019. Jeff went in January of 2020, just before the world shut down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, and one of the things that the that our tour guide told us on the bus, the very first five minutes that we were driving, uh, was that his job, what he viewed his job as taking the black and white pages of the Bible and turning them into color. Uh, and I found that to be totally true. Right. Uh, you know, as we were going from place to place, and you'd read the scripture, and then you'd go to this location, and you could see where these people may have actually been. I mean, what was your experience like with that? Well, the first words... The Nadir shared with us as we got on the bus, we're welcome home. Yeah. He never, he said, I don't consider you tourists. I f- consider you pilgrims on a pilgrimage. Welcome home. And then, like you said, he talked about the fifth gospel, the Bible coming to life as we experienced all the, all the th- scenery around us and all the places. Um, so, you're yes, you could definitely see, you know, when we were in... Um, when we were, the, the name's escaping me. I want to say Capernaum, but I'm not positive. When we were at the fisherman's hut, you know, the, where Peter was, was yeah. supposed to live. Um, you know, seeing those ruins and then seeing how far the sea was away from those ruins made you wonder, had the sea really receded that far or was the town that far away from the sea and they had to go down that? Mm-hmm. And then to be in Nazareth. And, and to see this huge city and try to picture it into a little village where Jesus <laughs> was raised. Um, you know, the mo- uh, that was one of the meaningful places for me because I closed out our day in Nazareth with the, uh, with the devotional as we, you know, we had the opportunity to go into the, go into the church right after I did my devotional. And then shortly afterwards, we walked, hiked back to the bus and then made it back to the hotel. But it was very meaningful. And I had shared with somebody a while back that I couldn't tell you for the life of me what I said. And most of the clergy that were on that trip probably would say the same thing because we were letting the Holy Spirit speak through us. And so it was the, it was truly a spiritual place. So this is a little bit of a detour from what we're actually talking about here. But since we're on the subject of Israel... How big was that in your determination to read through the Bible the way that you did? And how did how was it different when you read Scripture then and now? Even though you've read through, you know, as you're preparing for your sermons each week, how is it different as you read Scripture now that you've been in those locations? Well, it truly lives into the what Nadir shared with us is that Israel is the fifth gospel. So we don't have that fifth gospel in print for those of us that have been on the trip, on the journey to uh, the pilgrimage to Israel, we have it in our mind. So as we're reading it, we have that opportunity to read scripture and to compare it to what we're, you know, what we're remembering and what we're seeing in in that scripture. It it reminds me a lot t- about uh, similar to those times when we had to read in seminary and had the the four different, trans, you know, four different scriptures uh, the the gospels compared side by side and reading through them, you know, through progressively to see how they interact with each other. Again, it gives us an opportunity to, to be in tune with God. So um, it, it was very, it, it brought a whole new depth to it. And if, you know, I tell people now, if you ever have the opportunity to go to Israel, take the trip, mm-hmm. find some way to do it. And 
for us, it was we are very thankful for the for our educational opportunities, providing it and making it even more accessible for those of us that were newly ordained, and then the conference helping alongside. And there were others that helped to make the trip a, a possibility for us. And so we, you know, we were thankful that we got to go together. Mm-hmm. So we were joking around a little bit earlier about the length of Proverbs and and that kind of thing, but. As you were reading through the Bible in its entirety this time around, what was what was different for you about this time compared to other times that you had tried, or just reading the Bible in general? Well, you know, we've we've touched on the pandemic and the startup and start, you know, the the, the startup and the shelter in place, the online and all of that. It helped to make my make this practice more intentional. Um, knowing that I didn't have to rush off to be at some place at nine o'clock, I could get up at seven o'clock and spend an hour or two reading scripture, reading some uh, some of the books that I'd been meaning to read for a long time. Um, so, on top of that, it it just there was there was more there was there was freedom in the fact that we didn't have to rush off to somewhere else. We were all staying close to home. We were staying safe, uh, and so that's. I think that's what really made it more, uh, made it easier to accomplish that task, mm-hmm. or not task really. Then, and that's probably the chance, the problem I had in the past. I always looked at it as a as a task. It was an opportunity. When uh, I know when I read I've read through the Bible several times. Uh, I found that the, the reason I do the chronological way is if I, I'm a big context person. And so it really helped me put things in, in mm-hmm. the context mm-hmm. of things. It helped me understand why things happen better. Um, the book, you mentioned journaling, and that's something I want to touch on because I had never journaled in my life, ever, other than maybe a class that I had to take, and it was part of the assignment. So uh, the book that, I was, that I'm following or just got done following uh, by Ron Rhodes has a little section at the very bottom where there's a question based on the scripture that you read that day, and it really is life application type questions, and so it forces you to really think how this applies to my life. And it's not like I'm journaling pages upon pages; I'm doing like three or four sentences, and that's it. But for me, that's about as much as I think I could do <laughs> from a journaling standpoint, uh, especially since I've never done it before. Uh, how has journaling helped you in your scripture study? It's given me an outlet to tr- to interpret the scripture as we've moved for as I moved through the year. It was, uh, you know, when I when I when I struggled with a certain scripture, when I didn't understand it, it gave me an opportunity to put my thoughts down on paper. And so that was more, that was part of that process too. And so it, it helped. Okay. What would you do the same if you started this process again? Well, since I've started a new process, a new opportunity, um, the fact that I, uh, the fact that I have something that has written word and then maybe some reflection on it, I, I think that made, you know, that, that's what's different now. I'm a week into the chronological process, uh, the chronological order, and while the devotions are short, and sometimes make me think they're kind of simplistic, 
it still gives me an opportunity to be intentional about the the whole process. And and I'm the type of person that when I learn, I like to be in the driver's seat. Okay. And so that's part of this having that book to start off with when I, that little 365 page book that had certain scriptures to read each day, and and now the Ron Rhodes book giving me guidance on what scriptures to read. And maybe, you know, when as, we're, as we were reading about Noah, it jumped us over to Chron- uh, uh, First Chronicles to read about the, the, the lineage. Mm-hmm. And so that gave, you know, that gives me an opportunity to see that. And while I don't have the print copy like you do, Todd, I did download it on Kindle because I wanted to start the process sooner than later. Um, so that gave me the opportunity to... Down, you know, I keep my Kindle in my office now, and so then I write down whatever the scripture reading is for the day and put it in my journal, and then I also have my disciplines devotional that I use from the upper room, so that keeps me in context with my litur- liturgical season, which uh, I'm a litur- litur- liturgy preacher, so I follow the liturgical year, and I use those uh, those as my guides, and so. Just the intentionality behind it all, I think it makes a big difference. Yeah, my, my take on it is if anybody's going to use Ron Rhodes' book, um, I actually didn't f- don't find the, the printed stuff that he has there. I don't find it all that super helpful. It, it is good from framing where he's coming at it, but for me, it's, it's purely those scriptures at the top that help me stay on task with it exactly. and make sure that I don't deviate and that I, that I continue it uh, and, and don't fall away from... from each day um, right and, and, and I'm actually doing the reverse now so I'm, I'm starting the daily liturgical readings is what I'm doing this time okay. around so so I'm still working through the Bible but it's gonna be a lot different and it won't be quite in that context as before yeah and you know I agree with you with the with the devotional entries into it it's pretty simplistic you know there's there's some framing that makes a good point and then there's a question at the end that sometimes over this last week has given me an opportunity to, to think a little bit about it. The praying through the Bible in 365 days, I found a challenge because it was very non-inclusive. And that that stereotyping of of God as a, as a male figure has been part of what I've been pulled away from through seminary because they they expect us to be as as uh, open as we can be and so those prayers were kind of eh, iffy for me but i understand that there are those that are listening that that really resonates with them and so if that's part of your practice if that's how you believe more uh, you know right. blessings to you and uh, you know if if this book would help, will help you, then I would encourage you to pick it up wherever. And the fact that it didn't start on a specific day, date, mm-hmm. you could just pick it up in the middle of the year and start. Yeah. You know, there's no January 1 and you end December 31st. That, that was another, another meaningful part for me in regards to taking on that practice. Um, when you tie it to a date, and I think that's where I ran into challenges with the uh, reading plans through the online tools or the app tools, um, it always starts with a certain date. And if you don't pick up, if you don't start January 1, then you're starting in the middle of the Bible in July and having to carry it through. So I think that was another intention, a meaningful part for me. 
Got it. That's very good. Uh, so let's talk for a minute. If somebody else was going to try this, um, what are some of the lessons that we've learned <laughs> along the way? Uh, for me, it was I, just to echo what you said. For me, it's first thing in the morning. I get up in the morning, I go downstairs and get on the treadmill, do that for 30 minutes, and then I come back upstairs, I feed the animals, and then I sit down on my on the couch with my Bible and whatever I'm using for my guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's what that's how I start it. What, what is your what is your same day time type of thing? Going you know, like? uh, for me, it's starting in the morning. Um, you know, I'll get up, I'll grab a glass of water, start off my day, and then I'll go into my office. You know, find uh, for you if you don't have an office, find a quiet place where you can do it intentionally, where you can be intentional about your devotional time. Um, and I, I I just found it it easiest and it also starts my day off a whole lot better when I when I start reading uh, God's Word in, at the beginning of the day. Um, so 365 days is hard to do. It is. Um, if you did miss a day, I'm going to confess I did. Uh, so what I would do is I would make it up the next day I would do two. Right. Or like uh, like on this trip, I, I know that I'm on, I'm on a trip right now for the conference. That's why I'm, that's why I'm in Jeff's kitchen. Uh, so... I know that I read two days this morning because I will not get to it in the morning because of other appointments early in the day. Uh, what was it like for you when you had to miss a day? What, were, what, were your, what was your strategy for catching up? Like, usually, if I did miss a day, um, I wouldn't try to catch up. So, for me, it did stretch out a little bit longer because there were a couple days that I missed. Uh, while we were in December and, and in February, I had a little carpal, busy. Yeah, I had carpal <laughs> tunnel surgery. And so those days, uh, the days of surgery, I actually did do my reading. But the day after was a different story because I was usually sleeping. And, you would and have been my, on the happy pills anyway. You wouldn't exactly, have understood anything. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I think on those, some of those days, sometimes I would try to catch up to it later in the day. If I didn't start, if I didn't get a chance to do it first thing in the morning, I might do it before bed. Or like you play catch up on some of those days where I, you know, if life took over, um, and, and I was still coherent, um, then I would try to play catch up. Uh, just don't beat yourself up over it. If you miss a day, you miss a day. Um, just get back on the horse and keep moving forward. Yeah. Don't let that, don't let missing a day just mean that you have to start over or that this, this isn't for you because life happens. Um, 365 days is hard, is really hard. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, just don't give up on it. Come back the next day. Who cares if you if it takes you 400 days to read 365? You're closer to Christ at the end of those 400 days than you were 400 days prior. He's not going to care about 35 days. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Jesus doesn't care. God doesn't care. What they care about is the fact that you are intentionally being, uh, intentionally diving into the Word. So are you a note taker in your Bible or are you a person that keeps it pristine? My Bible is far from pristine. <laughs> um, as, a, as a clergy person, I will always highlight whatever scriptures that I'm reading each, each day. Uh, and I've got several different Bibles that I've used. Um, when I first started the reading through the Bible in a year, the Bible that I picked up was a common English Bible. And it was given to me as a graduation gift from St. Paul School, actually the student council at St. Paul. And so that was the Bible. It connected me back to a completion of a journey, to starting a new journey. 
And so I use that as my reading for that first, that first endeavor uh, that I've completed. And now I've, I'm not sure where I've gotten the common English that I'm reading now, but it's a little bit thinner. It's not the big, thick uh, NRSV with an apocryphal, uh, <laughs> right. the apocrypha in it. Um, so uh, be intentional about what you're comfortable with. If you're comfortable with King James Version, use King James. If you're comfortable with New International Version, use New International. If you're comfortable, like I am, with NRSV or the CEB, the Common English or the New Revised Standard, use whatever you're comfortable reading. And, uh, you know, there's no requirements. Just do what you, do what you can. One thing I found is I, I also use the Common English Bible as my, that's my Bible study early in the morning devotional text. That's what I use. Uh, but I also have a cultural background study Bible that's NRSV that if I have questions about the culture of the time, the footnotes in that thing are amazing. Um, and then I have an NIV archaeological Bible. Uh, mm. And so very rarely do I have those three things out at the same time. Of course. <laughs> uh, I, I would say 350 of the 365 days, it was just the common English Bible. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, early in the morning is not a time to be uh, digging through all kinds of different. Uh, but I would come back later in the day if I had something that really piqued my interest. Right, exactly. Uh, and, and this series uh, is one of those things. When I was reading Ezra and Nehemiah, I was like, I'm going to file this away and come back to it. And that's what I'm doing now. So. Uh, and that was one where the background study, uh, cultural studies Bible was really in, important because of the way that it talked about what that what that would have looked like with Ezra doing what he was described to do. Exactly, so, exactly. Uh, so yeah, find something that you're comfortable with. I don't think it really matters what the translation is. I would say be consistent with it, though. Exactly. Uh, have use that, that same one as much as one. you can. Because then if you're the type like Todd and I are, where you aren't afraid to mark up your Bible some, you may want to write a little note in the margins or write a note at the top of the page. Or... i got some up top. i got some on the side. Exactly, uh, all around. And, and there's highlighter all over the place. Exactly. So. And, you know, one of my favorite uh, Bibles that I've used is my John Wesley Study Bible. Mm -hmm. Because then I will go back. If there's something that catches me, I will go back and read and center myself to, to where our roots are as Methodist to center, to center on what John Wesley believed. And so then it just kind of carries you through and you can live into what, you know, living out the scriptures, however we've been called to do. So last question for you has to do with uh, your everyday, every Sunday preaching now at this point. Uh, now that you've read through the Bible and, and from cover to cover, uh, not that you hadn't read before, but it's just, this was a more intentional practice. Does that change at all the way you prepare for the, maybe the things that you learned along the way and how you read the Bible? Has that changed how you prepare your sermons? What has changed for me the most is to work on most of my sermon the first part of the week. To have the majority of my work done so that if something comes up in the late, later parts of the week, then I can address it, especially during the pandemic, because you never know what's going to happen. Um, you know, Todd and I had talked about the challenges of, of streaming, uh, no matter where our churches are. And that's been, that was one of the major things. Um, while, while we were doing online worship, I would record my sermon uh, later in the week and then upload it so that I'd had plenty of time. So it gave me an opportunity to be intentional about continuing the practice. Um, 
I think, you know, it still stayed with being a liturgic, you know, the liturgy preacher, a lectionary preacher, and following the lectionary year. Um, and that's been been also a, a help for me. So while I appreciate you saying it, that, you know, while we all do read through the Bible, it may not have been an intentional practice. As a lectionary preacher, we preach through the Bible. You, you do it, yeah, for sure. So, um, so overall, it's given me more of a dedication to being to following through with with uh being in tune with god i think is the big thing and that's really what we're all about um this whole idea of re-engagement if if for some reason you waned over the last 13 months of this pandemic and didn't have that weekly reminder of spiritual practices uh reading scripture i'm convinced is the number one thing you can and should do uh, to help reconnect you uh, to, to who your God is and, and to the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Jeff, thank you so much for taking time uh, with us on Layman's Terms. We appreciate your ministry and your time with us. And thank you so much for sharing your reflections on spending a year in the scriptures. It's been my privilege. And, uh, you know, I'd just like to extend it out there. If you're listening and you know me and you need some connection to staying in tune with that, uh, that practice, reach out. You know, we're in this together and, you know, that's part of the community that we are, no matter where we are in the Great Plains. And we are extremely thankful for all the hard work that you and your staff have been doing to help keep us connected. So thank you, Todd. Well, thank you. Uh, my last thought on this is this is not about you memorizing the scriptures. Uh, it's not about you knowing exactly where to find that particular story or that particular verse. I've read through the Bible eight or nine times now. I'm here to tell you I could not do that. I consult Dr. Google as much as anybody else <laughs> to get me where I need to be. This is about knowing the, the basics, the, 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 the topics, theology of our belief. It's just about knowing what's in there, not necessarily word for word, but in spirit. So with that, we'll leave you. Uh, we'll have some more episodes in the next few weeks about people and churches that are doing some amazing things to reconnect as we try to leave the exile of our homes and come back to our own lands and rebuild our own uh, relationships, both in person and with our Christ. Until next time, be safe. Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you liked what you heard in this episode, please go rate us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps other people find us. And please, if you feel so inclined, share us on Facebook or other social media. Our music comes via a licensed subscription with FirstCom Music. You can find archived podcasts on my website, toddseifert.com, or via a link on the conference website, greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts. Feel free to email me any questions or suggestions to tcypher at greatplainsumc.org, and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.